the planet is a living living being in a certain sense as is the whole of the universe and we are the universe reflecting on itself each of us as individuals and that's a powerful image because if you believe that you are the universe reflecting on yourself then phrases like do unto others as you would have done unto yourself takes on a whole new meaning because the environment is you also if you another phrase know thyself is one thing to know yourself as an individual physical human being but if you think that to know yourself is the universe then it changes the way you look at things stick your neck out the weekly podcast of the giraffe heroes foundation This is the Giraffe Heroes weekly podcast. We welcome you. Today it takes place at the Alqueria de Moraima in the heart of the Alpujada in the Sierra Nevada in South Spain. My guest is Chris Mellens. Chris, welcome. Thank There you. are two topics we would like to discuss today. One is your general idea regarding the lectures, online lectures you have in mind to prepare to actually present your ideas regarding uh, regenerative society in general. And then on the other hand, I know that things have to be brought down to us, have to be practical, so we have a practical place to start to work on and that is also here in the Alpujada at Los Poyos. Yeah, so can you tell me how you derived the idea of this lecture series? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it's something that's been developing for a long time, not specifically initially as a lecture series, but kind of has grown out of my own personal lifestyle just over over the decades but particularly started evolving from about 2007 when i was involved with the university of plymouth and the center for sustainable futures and i was involved with organizing a, a student festival that was based on the ideas of sustainability and through that process i saw so much learning going on with all the different students who were on not only teacher training courses but across the university on all the different disciplines. They were coming together and learning things that they... joining up bits of information from different disciplines to, and were developing a more of a holistic outlook. And, and one of the key things that came out of this was the desire of all of these, well, not just young students, mature students as well, to have active involvement with the environment. So simple things like chopping wood, preparing food together, doing some gardening, all kinds of activities in nature. And, and I could see that they, it was really enriching them as people and making them feel more connected to their environment. Well, you mentioned the word sustainability and that is something thrown around all over the place all the time. What is different with, in your case, it is just another sustainability concept or idea or do you have a more specific understanding regarding this 
so-called sustainability. A lot of things can mm. be sustainable. Mm. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, sustainability is a is not particularly good word. It, it To me, it speaks of survival or maintaining things as they are and keeping going. I mean, you can have sustainable slavery if you produce enough slaves, but that doesn't make it ethical or morally correct. Um, yeah, about to do that in our times, it seems, especially if you look at the refugees coming over from Africa, isn't it? <laughs> Perhaps so. <laughs> For me, I think that we need to be moving towards a regenerative approach. I don't think I'm alone in saying that for us to, as a, as a species, to develop and maintain a, a lifestyle of what we would call as decent these days, we have to be looking to involve ourselves with nature as a part of it, rather than seeing ourselves as disconnected from it still. And... My feeling and experience has, has pointed towards the importance of re-engaging young people, especially because some of us older ones are already too far gone. <laughs> But we need to be producing societies of young people that feel that nature is of primary importance because it is, it's a basis of our existence. You mentioned the word regeneration or regenerative. Could you explain that a bit? What do you understand under this concept of regeneration? What do you want to regenerate? Okay, so I, I imagine that we need to be regenerating primarily the environment, but we need to be regenerating a sense of community in, in the human world because it's more and more fragmented. The sort of drive of mm, some cultures, not all, but some cultures fragments family, work is more important. We're not basing our lives on the importance of other people. And if we manage to wean ourselves off our dependence on energy in terms of fossil fuels and, and the like, but actually reduce our energy consumption, one of the ways of doing that is involving more people to do things more by hand and less industrially. There's the value of industrialization, but is there's a danger that I think we're seeing now through the environmental problems. So more trees, more nature. I mean, personally, I would like to see all schools in all cities having school gardens with crafts, almost like rural environments inside cities, in schools, because then children in cities get a chance to have, have contact with that through those experiences pretty radical idea but i mean i'd even be interested well, in knocking buildings may, down to yeah. make a garden right but if i may interrupt i mean there are these amish people in america living the same way they used to live when they came over some two three hundred years ago is that what you understand under the term of regeneration or what is different in your concept from so to speak, going back to an antiquated way of life? Yeah, good question, and I've thought a lot about this. For me, there is an element of human development that's come about through the progress of science since, since the Enlightenment and the development of the scientific way of life and the individualizing of people that I think is something that we don't want to lose. And I think that examples like the Amish are actually can be seen as quite oppressive cultures because the demand to comply is kind of contrary 
to what I think that humanity has developed in terms of individualization. I think we are individuals for a reason. The planet has produced us and has produced the ability for us to be self-reflecting individuals, unlike many animals, or, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be so, you know, glibly say that, but there is a sort of quality of humanity that is able to self-reflect um, more than other species and be critical in our thinking and our actions. And I think it's something important to maintain but what do we maintain it for and how do we use those capabilities in benefit of the environment and in benefit of our communities? So I think the difference between us and Amish is Amish is living in an older period of, in a way, cultural evolution. And I think we need to be moving forward to what uh, philosophers like Ken Wilber call the integral period, where we take the qualities of individualization and all of the previous qualities, put them together, and we become something new. That sounds like a grand plan. How do you make that practical? To go back, I think you can elaborate in that context more on what you just called individualization, an individualization which apparently is not lost from more people. And on the other hand, again, how does that compare and go in tandem with regeneration because regeneration means you redo something but apparently you want to do it in a different way than it has been done in the past to be honest i don't think i've got a you know what my ideas are not a be all and end all solution it's not i don't think we're in a situation like that my primary drive is to try to encourage education in general in compulsory education to use that as medium to try and enable young people to have a connection with the natural world in a real tangible and experiential way a lot of the sustainability talk in schools at the moment is all in the head it's all abstract if you recycle the world to be saved well It's not like that. People make decisions in their lives when they're older as directors of businesses or bankers or politicians or taxi drivers or whatever, but they base their ultimate choices on how they feel. And unless they develop feelings of empathy for the natural environment, the decisions are going to be based on something else which maybe doesn't take the environment into account properly. So it's this empathetic connection to the environment. Basically, we need, I believe, we need to re-find our connection to the environment. And as separated scientific individuals, that's been made difficult by philosophy because from the Enlightenment, these ideas from Descartes, for instance, to name one, the world and the universe is just a machine. So you can't have a relationship with it. The story goes deeper than that, but we need to go, okay, we're in the world is a machine period to enable us to develop certain capacities and qualities. But now I think we start to need to recognize that actually it isn't a machine. The planet is a living, living being in a certain sense, as is the whole of the universe. And we are 
in the words of uh, Thomas Berry, who wrote a book called The Universe Story, we are the universe reflecting on itself, each of us as individuals. And that's a powerful image, because if you believe that you are the universe reflecting on yourself, then phrases like, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself, takes on a whole new meaning, because the environment is you. Also, if you, another phrase, know thyself, is one thing to know yourself as an individual, physical human being, but if you think that to know yourself is the universe, then it changes the way you look at things. It's not a narcissistic point of view, it's a point of view that includes everything, positive and negative. I can agree with that. But matter of fact is we live in the age of the machine, as you have pointed out, which is actually coming out of the Descartes worldview, as you mentioned. Now, since we are living in this age, although right now, thanks to the pandemic, we have a lot less machines flying around at least. But nevertheless, Elon Musk is continuing to shoot his new machines into orbit, which is yes. the most frightening thing of all. Anyhow, in that context, how do you imagine to reconciliate this age of the machine with what you call the age of the natural organism? Yeah, I think there must be, based on the belief I have that human beings have been produced by the planet and that everything the planet produces has a, has a reason, our ability to develop machinery and machine-like thinking has a reason. If we are able to find the balance point to connect the value of machinery, the value of industry and all of those things which make so many people's lives better with a conscious caring for the environment, what would the world be like? At the moment, we've got seven plus billion people on the planet and it seems like a great proportion of the people, or at least the systems that they, these, everyone's involved in, are parasitic and destructive on the planet. And so humanity is a problem. Is it possible to imagine a world where humanity, as a majority, is a part of the solution? That's the right question. Your answer. For me, the only way I can see forward with that is to try and make people feel or encourage people to feel because you can't make them do anything but encourage people to feel a connection to the environment a desire to want to go and sit in the woods a desire to want to farm organically a desire to plant trees to it depends on your place as well obviously you're not going to plant trees in the arctic but to find a meaningful relationship well, with with your well, climate change it may be. well do so maybe i think the thing is to find relationship to place understand place and then work out what's what's the place asking for and that's not a that's not a sort of there isn't a medicine for it all It's got to be, people have to feel it, people have to recognise, hang on, I'm part of this, the Earth's part of me, I'm part of it, we're part of the universe, but in terms of the planet, what can we do to make it better? If we can put the idea of what we can do to make it better to people, then maybe we might start finding some solutions. That sounds convincing. Uh, last question in this 
arena, give a practical example, if you can, how you are going to convince a teenager to change his way of life, which is based on probably an iPhone consuming his attention for half the day to what you say he needs to develop that consciousness for the environment. Okay, one of the one of the main directions for this has got to be education. There are now more than 50% of the population of the whole planet living in urban situations. In an urban situation, you're very detached from the environment. So how can we expect young people to find a connection to the environment? Obviously, families and parents have a role to play in, in doing that. But schools, I think, are the primary site for to transmit these kinds of messages. And experiences I've had with young students of all ages, especially teenagers, because that's a particular period in people's lives where they seem to be more disconnected from, feel more disconnected from the environment, mainly because they're, they're tied up with their sort of developing their social lives and relationships with their peers. But when I have had the opportunity to take teenagers into nature-based situations and activities, invariably it's had a powerful impact on them if they've been doing it with their peers. So a simple example um, is that I taught um, a group of 13-year-olds in a school in the UK make uh, basketry a number of years ago. And one of the questions that came to me from one student uh, was, why do I want to make a basket? I can buy one for a euro from the Chinese shop. And um, and I, I said, well, let's just go through the process and, and you'll see. And so kind of begrudgingly, he, he followed, followed the rules of the classroom, um, as did the other, other students in his class. And over several days, he made a basket. And at the end of it, he brought the basket to me and was holding it in his hands and was just like, thank you, this is really good. And it was cool. And I think when students, children can transform something out of the natural environment into something that for them has value, that value stays with them. He doesn't now think, I can buy a basket for a euro. He might go and buy a basket for a euro or a pound, depending on which country you're in. But he knows how long it takes to make that and he has a sense of what is going on behind the scenes to enable him to buy a basket for a euro or a pound. Okay, Chris, thanks. That was a really good example. And I think we are all looking forward actually to that couple or series of lectures which you are going to prepare, introducing a wider audience to this fascinating issue of individualization in a new way sustainable in the sense of regeneration of lost understandings of the environment and the planet, as you say. So we are looking forward to that. At this point, I would like to briefly talk about a practical project we have here in the area, which is our actually ultimately 
B-Reserve at and around Los Poyos up next to the National Park at 2,000 meters up there. You know that area very well. You know that it has, has actually a quite ideal situation with water and possible reforestation. And to make that real nice, actually, we want to start with that project next February, which is springtime here. You are part of it. Can you just introduce us briefly what you plan to do up there at the Refugio Solaio? Well, my my interest particularly in, in this project is uh, is the installation of any uh, trees into the into the setting because it's at the moment it's 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 been used as agricultural land for a long time and, and pasture has no trees and i think that having a a good tree regime is going to be good for the moisture retention maintaining the topsoil but but more than that it's going to offer bees a source of material for their hive building. So um, poplars, for instance, is something that I know that bees use to uh, extract propolis from to uh, use in their hive construction. When to create a, a, an environment which is stimulating to people, I think that artistic planting, not in a formal sense, but more in a, um, an environmentally appropriate sense, will enhance the value of the place in terms of what participants in any courses or retreats that go up there will take from the space. Could we not make that project part of your course schedule? Possibly. I would say that, that even though I'm talking about creating a series of lectures online... That no, I don't mean the lectures now. I mean what the, the lectures are for, namely to bring the people to really do something. Yeah, I mean, yes, it, it is possible in any setting. The, 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 with the ideas I'm promoting, the practical ideas, they need settings that can be developed with the, the pre-industrial tools. Uh, environments need to be fixed in, in, in place. And something like this is, is fine for a small number of people but my particular interest is to try and promote this to happen in schools everywhere because we're at such a crisis point if we have one little center which teaches the ideas to 10 people yes they go out and they will then possibly share those ideas with other people but really what we need to be doing is is putting the ideas in place everywhere in all schools in all countries as soon as possible to start to develop a society of people who have a different approach. I understand your point, but I would like to come back to that since I happen to know that place up there and that project very well myself. Don't you think that it would make a lasting impact in a very special sense if you could bring a class from Oshiva or even maybe from Granada over for a couple of days or a week even to work there and see something really evolving? I suppose, yes, it is possible. It would take a significant amount of development over a year or two, I think, to make it the kind of environment I think you're imagining. So, yes, yes, I, I suppose it would be possible. That um, is actually my next question in terms of that because 
the reason why I get back to that project is actually a project which we start to develop. So I would be keen to know what your take is on that, if there you also participate on the ground and to make that place really what you envisage it should be. What is the timeline you would think that would take? I don't know. You shake your head, but I mean, let's not be timid. I mean, if you tell me a hundred years, of course, we can't do very much with it, but would we have to think in terms of two, three years or 10, 20 years or anything in I don't between think, that? Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, as I've said before, I think for me, it's the, it's the location. It's too far. I think that people are, I don't know, it just feels too far for me. Um, well, this would be interesting for our listeners because here I speak a bit pro domo. I love the place and it's a fabulous hike up here from the Alcaria to up there Los Poyos. It takes you not a day, but near to a day and is wonderful. So I imagine that if you put that in the right program, there should be many people who would love to have that experience. I guess if the, if the installations are done such that it's comfortable enough for, especially for people who are accustomed to certain, certain luxuries from cities, urban environments, then yes, I have a concern that the, um, I'm not sure of the right word, attitude, but I have a concern that there has to be a balance between shock factor and comfort. <laughs> and I think that for me, I think I want to go gently, gently with people and make it as comfortable as possible so that they can relax and then feel the environment because the environment can be a harsh place and can challenge us in ways that can cause crisis. And um, this area particularly, I've noticed tends to bring out crisis and I think I say that because there's something about the rawness of this environment that makes people have to reflect upon themselves in a way that perhaps they don't do with the luxuries of modern living at home everything is piped in electricity water gas you can go to the shops here in a situation like Los Poyos you don't have any of that and for as a survival experience it's one thing but as an experience for developing empathy i think we need to be gentle with people it needs to be developed in a way that they can have a sense of of warmth in their souls if you like to then be able to feel like okay the the nature is worth protecting because it's good to me okay great statement chris i think it really should take away the fear of people who come to join your courses because for sure you will be a loving caring teacher and keep out the too radical crisis potential so this means you would love to do it here at the Alcaria de Molaima where we are sitting a thousand meters down from those points absolutely I mean this okay. setting is fantastic because You've got brilliant accommodation for people, which will make them feel comfortable as soon as they walk in the door. They will feel like, ah, oh, I can relax. When people relax, they learn. This is one of the problems with schools. Children often aren't relaxed. They're stressed, and so then they're expected to learn, and it doesn't work. 
a place like this, Alcaria, you relax, you feel like you're held, you're being cared for. By, and then if you then have experiences which are, uh, can't think of the right word. Uh, Enlightening. Enlightening experiences, yeah, but, but engaging and connecting uh, experiences, you're more likely to let them in because you already feel held and you're protected. Okay, that's actually a great uh, statement because our courses, as we even plan under this project, actually will take place here at the Alcaria and you will be part of these courses. So it is a lovely place here. In comparison, the place up there is really rough, I agree. That's so not, that's, sorry, not, that's not to say that Los Poyos doesn't have value, but the power of Los Poyos is in its extremity. That's right, and we will use that when time comes. So for the time being, I would like to just leave you the last word with what actually do you plan next spring up there at Los Poyos, which is part of our crowdfunding campaign. With that, then, please give a final message or wish to our listeners. Okay, well, all being well, the, the idea is that we'll, we'll be planning and installing an irrigation system based on a ditch system and a pipe system, so we have the old and the new working together, to maintain a large-scale tree planting operation, which will then act as windbreaks, act for shade, act as a benefit for the bees, act for topsoil protection, and create a warmer kind of soul environment for, uh, for people that go up there in the future. Yeah, great, Chris. So, what is your wish to our listeners to our crowd or do you have anything you would like them to do i'd like to feel that anybody who involves themselves through donation or through time sponsorship to the to this crowdfunding campaign feels that they're connecting into something bigger that we're trying to make a kind of community even though we might never meet each other There, I give an example that I recently came across about the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly. When a caterpillar transforms itself, it goes into a chrysalis and the, the inside of that chrysalis turns into like goo. And what transforms the caterpillar to the butterfly are the, the imaginal cells. What we need to be is imaginal cells and we need to find as many imaginal cells as possible to work together to create the world that we think could be in the future. Let's think to the future, what could the world be like and how would we get there? Because now is the time to act. Okay, Chris, I think that is fantastic. So, dear listeners, I hope you have this imaginal quality so we all can be part of the butterfly to come and not stall where we are in the goo. So, thanks for listening and hope to have you back next week. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Stick Your Neck Out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation.